0: Welcome to the Consulting Edge podcast. If you want to find out how to turn your knowledge and expertise into a consulting business, find your edge and become a seven-figure consultantpreneur in the digital age from startup to scale up, then this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Masood Hassan, and every week I'll take you through practical content that you can use to turn what you know into a lifetime of multiple income streams, work less and grow faster smartly. These are methods that I actually use to do my own consulting work and how i built up my own consulting business over the last 25 years. For each episode, I'll create a custom action guide so you know exactly what steps to take to help you get results really fast. My ambition is to change the future of one million people to break out on their own and create new business value. One million independent consultants... One million stories, one million futures. So be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join me now for this week's episode. Hi, and welcome to episode eight of the Consulting Edge Podcast. As always, I hope you're well. How's your week been? What have you been up to? And then you've had a chance to really reflect back on some of the things that we were talking about in episode seven. I've actually had a mixed week this week. I've had a couple of ups and and one down, really, which I'd I'd like to maybe just talk about and touch base with you because it's really valuable lessons that I learned from that. From the upside, I'm actually quite proud that we've uh, we've covered off a, a couple of really big areas. I was in the middle of actually completing a leadership training module, which I've now finished um, and is available for a client. And we're going to roll that out in the next month or, or a couple of months or so. And secondly, I've managed to get a number of people who are interested in taking part in being guests on the on the podcast. So I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to share that with you. There's some great insights coming from all the experiences that these folks have had. And I'm really delighted that they've taken the time and the chance to come onto the program. And that's all coming up in season two. And now for the downside, and I'd be unrealistic to be able to sit here talking to you about all the things that are great. If I don't talk to you about things that actually don't go well, And I'm just sort of reflecting on what happened. Look, it's quite annoying to get to a place where you've come this far and you're so close to the hurdle of actually winning the project when actually you, you lose it. Now, when I reflected on why... The answer wasn't obvious, but it did occur to me that the reason wasn't because we were inadequate or we didn't have the capability or whether the fee structure was appropriate or not or whether we cost too much. I think it was more basic than that. The client at the time actually did have somebody that they were working with already. Now, I didn't realize the the strength of that at the time, but but obviously it's played a major role in their decision making. Now, this incumbent had been working with them for, for a number of years, I believe. And we did do our homework to find out who this was, and we actually did the groundwork to actually understand what they were doing and what results they delivered. But clearly, they were quite influential in the way that they had operated in the business. So it was really natural for them to pass on the work to to the incumbent rather than to someone else coming in from the outside. Now, I've come to the conclusion that every client or consultant relationship really boils down to value over time. After your client signs the deal, they should really start receiving some initial value in terms of business impact and results, right? Straight away. Now that's progress that the client should be reluctant to give up by making any change at the wrong time. So imagine that a client has just invested time, money, intellectual capital to implement your solution. And in their mind, and it's all sunk cost and investments that they've made, and they'll never have to make that again, provided they stick with you. So when a competitor shows up promising additional value, look it's only potential value. Your competitive solution is still unproven. The cost and the impact are both unknown and change comes at their risk of losing the initial progress as well as any future value from your solution. Now that's a lot of uncertainty compared with your documented value and the client's sunk cost. And that uncertainty is what gives the incumbent the advantage. And that's where we lost. So it got me thinking about this week's episode, which actually was by chance that I had planned to speak about outreach. Now, if at the outset I had reached out appropriately and not been given the sympathetic treatment to participate in a proposal and opportunity, perhaps we'd not been in a position we are today in speaking about a lost project. So in today's episode, I'll be going through how to set up your outreach strategy and how to make your first move and reach out to your prospects with the simple goal of having them as your clients where you don't have to end up spending lots and lots of time proposing and then you find that you were never in the race to begin with. In fact, having the right clients and the right opportunity makes sense, only if you're able to know this from the beginning. Now, I've met a lot of consultants and consulting firms, and you know I've worked for a couple of them as well, that often believe that the more prospects you have, the better. I need to stuff my pipeline because in order to get one project, I actually need a thousand leads. Look, I'm being sarcastic, of course. But pursuing the wrong types of prospects wastes precious time, cash and resources. And that's why having a well-constructed outreach strategy is absolutely critical to your immediate effectiveness and long-term success. Look, many consultants I meet actually do a lot of business development, but they may only go through old contacts or referrals or cold calls or email campaigns. And then sometimes, if you're lucky, a call out of the blue comes from someone you've never met. Wouldn't it be great if you could do it all by design? rather than let it happen by chance. There's no one-size-fits-all model for an effective outreach strategy. So how you structure yours will depend on the business needs and the nature of the service and the personas you're targeting. Now, for a lot of people, outreach is most closely associated with sort of traditional models like cold calling. I have to go out and find somebody, but the only way I know how to do that is actually pick the phone up and ring somebody that I don't know. But in the digital age, the landscape has changed. If you're specializing in B2B outreach, there's really two real fruitful B2B sort of platforms, LinkedIn and email. Now, often when it comes to outreach, cold calling is the sort of first thing that comes to mind, but it's really not my thing. It just feels too intrusive. People nowadays prefer to be addressed at their own convenience, and LinkedIn and email and other social media platforms allow that an advantage. We have the chance to readily conduct more versatile, wide-reaching outreach on those sort of platforms one thing that's always talked about in consulting is adding value and that everything that we do must add value. Now, I'm sure you've been given advice or seen or heard people giving advice that consultants should always reach out to prospects when they have something compelling, useful, a tidbit here or there, something to offer. For example, an article or a white paper, your new book or an introduction to a a, a, a seminar or some insights, or a report that you've just written, or a project that you've just covered and you're going to be able to put together a case study for. Now, common wisdom says you should offer some sort of value to prospects when you reach out to them. Now, what if that common wisdom is not only wrong, but backwards? For example, a discussion with a client might sound like, hi Dave, I thought you'd be interested in some findings from a new project we've just completed with another company in your industry, and it's all about conducting work overseas. Now, we've had a number of benchmarks that show that you're behind the best in class performing organizations. Or it could be Hi, Dave, we've just conducted a great piece of work and research on overseas trading, and the findings would really surprise you. We'd love to come and present this to you and your senior leadership team. Can we get a half an hour of your time? Now, how many times have you tried something like that? And how many times and how often has that worked for you? Now, I'm embarrassed to say that it's taken me most of my life to understand this. But it's true. Except in very rare situations, giving people advice who haven't asked for it just doesn't work, no matter how noble your intentions are. In fact, they will often be offended and your very relationship can be damaged. When my daughters were growing up, I would see them making a mistake and offer my advice. Now, did they take it? Really? More often than not, they would say, we know dad, we're not kids. Unsolicited advice always seems judgmental and it's therefore unappreciated. So the rule is simple. If they don't ask, don't give advice. Simple as that. Now, it doesn't mean people are ungrateful, but people are often embarrassed when reminded of their mistakes and shortcomings. In my experience, most people actually need to see the end result of their wrong thinking. When that happens, it makes a much more powerful and lasting impression. Now, your advice will be more effective when they've seen their mistake, and then they come to you. It doesn't mean you abandon anyone, it simply means you track their progress, keep low and then be ready to answer their questions or queries in a positive inspiring way. The impact of your advice isn't just based on insight, it's also based on timing. So the best approach to consider is what I call value inversion. So rather than reaching out when you have something, reach out when you want something. Specifically, advice and insight. Which we all need constantly. So, if you take that approach where you're actually asking for advice and insight, maybe the message to Dave may sound something like Hi, Dave, I was looking for some help and insight on doing business overseas, and you immediately came to mind as the right person to talk to. Can I get a few minutes where we can have a quick chat? Now, the solicitation has a different feel to it and it's asking for a favor. Now, you might ask, Well, why would anyone want to be able to respond to that and say yes? Well, I was told a while back and it stuck with me for many, many years. The bottom line is that all of us are all wired for generosity and giving and helping others. But we're educated for greed and we're really happy when we are helping people and making them feel good and where we can make a difference and help others. The experience of being able to serve is its own reward. And that stuck with me for a long time. So asking for help is often a much better way for engagement. Look, I built up my whole set of contacts and list of senior executives using this approach. When I started out, there was no way that senior executives like CEOs or COOs of sort of multi-million dollar companies were going to take my calls, unless it turned out that I had an intriguing need for advice. Starting with just two C-level contacts and a simple request for insights, I built relationships with just shy of 30 large CEOs in about three months. The advantages of asking for help rather than offering value when approaching prospects is clear. It's surprising how much time we don't get when we don't give people the opportunity to help. And ask is a connection. It's not about having another person go to great lengths for you. It's about creating a scenario where someone wants to give and can match with what you want. Building a relationship is a process. It's a never-ending cycle of giving and receiving that should be delicately handled. So don't try and rush it you'll end up empty-handed. When I ask people for help, I use what I've created as the Dotty framework. That's D-O-T-I. It's just my way of actually reminding myself of whenever I started to write messages to people to ask them for help. And it includes a very, very simple framework. I select one or a few targeted people to reach out to. I define the problem. I outline what I'd like them to help me with or what I'd like them to do for me. And then I tell them how much time I think I should take and I give them enough information to make it easy to answer and as a courtesy I also like to let people know that they can opt out if they're busy at that point in their particular time. So dotty represents define the problem, outline what you want, allocate the time that's needed and provide enough information for them to be able to make it easy to answer your question. Targeting thousands of positions in thousands of different industries is like looking for a needle in a haystack with a blindfold. You can't possibly have a clue on what the prospects industry is currently facing. That means, in that case, you're just assuming what kind of problem they may have. If you're talking to everyone, you simply can't get the message through to everyone. And what's worse is a lot of people will get offended. You're reaching out to them with a subject that doesn't concern them, which can only mean one thing you haven't done your research. And let's say that some of the unqualified untargeted prospects will schedule a session with you. Well, what does that mean? Well, you've wasted your precious time nurturing the wrong people. So from my lesson learned right at the beginning, we've just got to be conscious of who we're reaching out to, to help them solve the issues and the problems that might be facing in their business. So as usual, guess what guys? Yep, I'm going to leave you with a couple of actions for this week. Again, go and find a quiet space and a clean sheet of paper, make yourself comfortable. And what I'd like you to do today is Start to think a little bit about who's on your contact list. Now, choose three people that you know you need to connect with. Draft your script, your note, your email, now use the Dotty method that I just explained earlier on, and then send the message to the prospect. Now, there's no need to wait get your potential contact list out and jump all over it. Now, if you've tried it, please let me know. Drop me a line on masood at theconsultingedge.co. I'd love to hear how that went. And I'd love to understand some of the lessons that were learned from what you just did. And I look forward to hearing how it worked for you. Hey, thanks again. That's the end of episode eight. And if you've made it all the way through to the end, congratulations. And thank you so much for taking the time to do so. In episode nine, I'll be talking about influencing. Now you've got to a stage where you're reaching out to clients and you're possibly getting a few meetings here and there, or you've got a really nice pipeline of leads coming in now that are inquiring about the type of work that you're doing. And if that's the case, the next step for you is a real critical one. So knowing how to influence people and persuade them and to deal with objections is going to be really, really important. Look, reaching out to people for help is a simple process, but it's a hard step to take. It's so powerful. And as adults, we seem to lose our ability to ask. But here's what you need to understand. The world responds to those who ask. So let's start using that in your favor and start getting clients. Through the very act of asking people, you can connect with them. And when you connect with them, people want to help you. It's kind of counterintuitive for a lot of consultants. They don't want to ask for things. It's not easy, as I said, to ask. Asking makes you vulnerable. But it's that vulnerability that allows the door to be opened and gives you the consulting edge. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm truly blessed. I hope that you managed to get some real value and insight from this week's show. Don't forget, you can sign up and download each action guide for free or email me directly on masood at theconsultingedge.co if you want to connect. Hey, I'd love to hear about your story and also to let me know what you'd like to listen to on any of the future series of the podcast. Until then, here's to your continued success to find your consulting edge, become a consultant printer, and be part of the One Million Futures.